Well, I, I firmly believe that the entire global diabetes epidemic is directly caused by refined carbs and refined fats. I'm not blaming one more than the other. It's definitely both. Uh, the reason we have this just constant, nonstop, low-carb versus low-fat war is because both sides are completely correct, 50% correct. This is Living Your Big Bold Life podcast, and I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Today's episode is truly going to impact your health journey in a positive way. It was so good, in fact, we decided to make a part one and part two. And it is truly due to our amazing guest. Dr. Ted Naiman is a board-certified family medicine physician in the Department of Primary Care at a leading major medical center in Seattle. But he is no regular or average physician. Dr. Naiman really thinks boldly in the areas of diet and exercise. And I am confident that today you will leave with some new tools for your tool belt. The other thing I truly appreciate about Dr. Naiman is that he's really open to everyone's unique eating lifestyle. And yes, he will say that he believes some are more effective than others, but he shares an open-minded approach that is so hard to find in today's exercise and diet perspectives. I can't wait for you to hear all that he has to tell us today. Let us get to Ted. Good morning, Ted. It is such an honor to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm also excited to do a podcast with somebody who's here in the Pacific Northwest. I think that's a first for me. So super cool. I agree, Ted. It's awesome to get to talk to a fellow neighbor here in Washington State. I have been so excited for this episode because you have so much wisdom when it comes to health and our diet and exercise. And additionally, you have a truly bold perspective as a medical professional. And I know many light bulbs of our listeners are going to go off today. And so let's just get started with you telling us a little bit about your background and maybe a little bit about your health journey thus far. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, uh, I went to college here in Washington and got an engineering degree, mechanical engineering, wanted to work for Boeing and aerospace. And uh, for some reason, there was just a bunch of layoffs the year that I got out of school. And so on a whim, I decided to go to medical school. And it was like really last minute. Like I, I honestly 
uh, I hadn't even taken general biology and I just took the MCAT cold. And then uh, I realized that medical school admissions, um, people added a whole point to your GPA if you got an engineering degree. So that's the only reason I ended up in medical school because, uh, you know, I just, I wasn't one of these persons who always wanted to be a doctor. Let's put it that way. So all of a sudden I find myself in medical school and I'm going to Loma Linda University in Southern California. And that, that is because I was raised a Seventh-day Adventist, which is uh, highly vegetarian, as you might know. And so Loma Linda is this famous blue zone vegetarian Mecca where everyone's vegetarian and, uh, so I, I thought that I didn't really spend any time thinking about diet because I figured that I already knew everything there was to know about diet, right? You just don't eat saturated fat and cholesterol. You don't eat animal products and you're just automatically healthy. And that was that. So diet wasn't even on my radar. And uh, then I was in my residency, which I did in South Carolina, which was the number one state in the country for diabetes at the time. And this was about 20 years ago. And while I was there, one of my patients introduced me to low-carb diets. He lost about 30 pounds and reversed his diabetes and told me, hey, I just stopped eating carbs. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because I hadn't really seen uh, such a simple dietary intervention be so powerful before. And I really got to thinking about diet and health. And I just spent the next 20 years kind of geeking out both personally and professionally on the diet side and looking at, you know, exactly how different macronutrients influence our health and exactly what the differences were between the healthy patients I was seeing and the unhealthy patients that I was seeing. And, and what I realized is that diet is huge. And the only difference between the healthiest people I see and the least healthy people I see are diet and exercise. And it's such a big deal. And, you know, after 20 years of, of seeing people in all phases of health, I've really realized that the most important thing should be your health, period. If you don't have your health, nothing else matters. Everything else just falls by the wayside. It's really not important. And so health should be first and foremost, and it's all driven by diet and exercise. And if you don't know exactly what to do with those, you're just not going to have optimum results. So I I ended up writing this book last year. Um, I wrote this book called The PE Diet. And, and really, it's so selfish. I, I basically just totally wrote the book to myself 20 years ago that I wish someone would have given me. You know what I mean? My whole mindset when I wrote it was like, I want to write the book that I want to go back in time and just hand to myself 20 years ago and just save myself a whole lot of uh, going in circles. I mean, you know, because like everybody else, I've done every diet. It's It's been vegetarian, vegan, low-fat, low-carb, paleo, keto, carnivore, the whole spectrum. And, I, and what I do with this book is I, I try to boil all these diet religions down and find the one thing that was powering all of them, the one thing that was making them more effective than the standard American diet. So basically what I've done is just zoomed way out, way, way out to look at what eating actually is and and how it actually works. And, and the reality is that 
you know, humans are animals and all animals are only alive because we constantly ingest other living organisms. That's what animals are. We're just eating other things and then incorporating their protein and minerals and energy into our bodies. And plants are at the base of this whole system. So plants make every single bit of food for all animals and animals either eat plants or eat another animal that ate some plants. And what plants are doing is two very specific things. They're sucking minerals out of soil, uh, predominantly nitrogen to make protein out of, and then about a dozen other minerals that are essential for uh, plant and animal life. And then plants are using photosynthesis to capture solar energy and store it as chemical energy in the form of these high energy carbon chains, which are basically uh, carbohydrates and hydrocarbons, that's carbs and fats. So what your body does is use protein and minerals structurally. Most of your body, uh, well, most of your body is water, but other than that, your body's mostly protein. And so you're using these uh, minerals like nitrogen that plants have incorporated from the soil, and then you're burning carbs or fats for energy in your mitochondria. You're just breaking apart these high energy bonds to give yourself all the energy you need to power your metabolism. And so what I sort of did is separate eating into the protein and mineral side that plants are getting from the soil versus the energy side, which are carbs and fats that are just really stored solar energy as chemical energy. And then I kind of zoomed out and looked at all of human history and what eating involved. And, you know, when we were hunter gatherers, you, you were always looking for more energy. You could go outside and kill an animal and eat the whole thing and get plenty of protein and minerals, but that animal was starving for energy. That animal was constantly looking for more dietary energy. You were constantly looking for more dietary energy. And then we we evolved these technologies to add more energy to our diets. We figured out how to uh, make stone tools to crack open skulls and long bones to get more fat in our diet. We uh, figured out how to, you know, collect honey and um, dig up tubers and anything we could do to add more energy to our diet, carbs or fats. And we had this sort of energy hunger where if we came across any sort of carbs or fats, we just ate as much as we could. The goal being to store enough energy to live through the winter time, you know, off of stored body fat. And then we, we, basically have always used technology to feed ourselves. So we invented agriculture. We realized, oh, hey, if you corral these animals and feed them really well, they'll get a lot fatter uh, because they can just sit around and eat all day long. And then we have a lot more fat added to our diet. And then if we grow all these grains and starches, uh, we can automatically add more carbohydrate energy to our diets. And then we figured out how to strip all the energy out of foods. We figured out how to extract sugar and flour and oil and all these refined carbs and refined fats. And what we've done with agriculture and then with the industrial revolution and then the bulk refining and transport of sugar and flour and oil and all our junk food is we've basically stripped out all the energy from actual real food. We've just made this edible energy, these refined carbs and these refined fats that 
Um, first of all, drive overeating because the combination of high energy density carbs and fats together are super addictive and rewarding and spiked dopamine in your brain. And that's why we're all addicted to French fries and pizza and donuts and candy bars. And then also it dilutes out protein and minerals and fiber in your diet, which really provide a lot of satiety. So you end up having to overeat um, carbs and fats just to get enough protein and minerals to not be hungry. So it's like protein dilution and mineral dilution, and then all these uh, addictive high energy density carbs and fats together is sort of pushing and pulling the obesity epidemic forward. And I just tried to spell all this out in my book from the very, very beginning, like from the really high level view of like what's actually happening here. And it just, it seems to be a really useful metric that kind of explains the success when anyone either goes really low carb or really low fat or uh, really low calorie or paleo or any of these diet hacks. I've, I have to admit, I've stolen from everybody this whole journey. Like I, I realized early on that every single person on earth knows something that I don't know. And every single person out there is right about something that I may or may not be aware of. And so I've just been trying to uh, siphon out all the good parts of all of these diet religions, all these diet camps, because they're all totally right about something. You know, what are the vegans right about? What are the vegetarians right about? What are the whole 30 people write about. They're all right about something. They might be prioritizing some things that are not quite as effective. And then what you do is you just kind of strip out, you know, the the most useful parts of these and maybe leave behind the parts that aren't as useful or are smaller rocks. And then you have boiled it down into like the very most powerful, very most effective directions to to go in. And I kind of feel like that's what I've done. But then I also, I really respect all these different eating styles. Like I have patients who are vegan and carnivore and low carb and low fat. And, and at the end of the day, you can make any of those work and whatever your preference is, is going to be fine. But you know, how are we going to tweak it to really make it the most effective? And I, and that's why I did try to be kind of inclusive uh, with the book and with my mindset. I I don't want to really, you know, I don't want to say, okay, I have all the answers and, you know, this is the way it is. And that's that, you know, it's because I, I realized that this whole journey, I've been totally wrong about like half of everything. And I'm quite sure I'm still wrong about a lot of things, but I'm just trying to iterate and getting a little bit less wrong each time. And the more I listen to other people and pay attention to what other successful people are doing, uh, I think the better I, I get at that, if you know what I mean. Completely. Hey friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guest. 
When I was on my health journey, I started just a private Facebook group, you know, not selling anything. And literally, it was just meant for people to come together and share what was working and what wasn't. And we're a few thousand people. And what I've appreciated about this group, and some people wouldn't like it, really. Some people wouldn't like it because it's not carnivore. It's not keto. It's not vegan. It, it really respects all different people's eating lifestyles. However, we don't shy away from, hey, you should maybe take a listen to this. Now, does it mean it, does it apply to your journey? Maybe not. I use the, the term kind of the tool belt. And we want to have as many tools in our tool belt as possible. And maybe that tool doesn't work for you now, but maybe it will in the future. Or maybe it's a really good tool for your spouse. And I know that that's not as popular of a, you know, it works really well if you just kind of put yourself in one lane, like I'm only keto and I'm only low carb and I'm only, or I'm only vegan. But actually, I think that that's why your book is so powerful and really is a bold perspective is saying, let's just try to find what's most effective. And really at the end of the day, that's what it should be about because, you know, what works for you and maybe what works for me is different. And yet there are some things that, you know, we can continue to learn from. And and that's why I love this podcast because I, I learned so much from very diverse journeys. So, what does your kind of eating lifestyle and exercise lifestyle look like? Well, first of all, I love your reference to tools in the toolbox because that's exactly the kind of the mindset I have. It's like each one of these diet religions is a little bit of a lever, you know, low carbs, a lever, low fats, a lever, intermittent fasting is a lever, counting calories is a lever, doing more cardio is a lever. And you can kind of pull all of them a little bit and be super successful. And, and I think that's, that's what I'm doing. And so, you know, specifically, like, for example, intermittent fasting, I think that uh, some amount of intermittent fasting is awesome. Like, please, everyone at least have a 12 hour window a day where you're not eating, you know, that's just, I think, spectacular. But I'm not a huge fan of really extended fasting, you know, days and weeks. And I don't like that because I'm worried about lean mass losses. So uh, what I'm doing is sort something sort of in between. It's like a 16-8, which is typically what I'm doing most days. And uh, I- I'm kind of doing the same thing with low carb and low fat. My diet is low-ish carb. You know, I am eating maybe 100 grams of carbs a day. And I'm also windowing those carbs like it's uh, I might only eat carbohydrate once a day, I might be at the end of the day, I might be even at the end of a meal. So I'm uh, periodizing those it's the carb frequency is so low that my diet is ketogenic, you know, a big portion of every day. So it's like a cyclical ketogenic diet. And it's a decreased carbohydrate frequency, but it's not no carbs. And, you know, like my, my diet is about probably 70% carnivore, just high enough in animal foods to try to maximize nutrient density. But I'm also not going, you know, pure carnivore, zero carb, because I think that would leave a lot of satiety from low energy density vegetables on the table. You know, you get so much satiety per calorie from, you know, salad vegetables and low sugar fruit and this stuff. So I'm like sort of low carb and sort of 
uh, paleo and sort of intermittent fasting. And I'm sort of low fat because I'm, I am prioritizing protein. And so if there's a leaner protein out there, I'm going to eat it. Like I might eat turkey bacon instead of bacon, or I might eat sirloin instead of the fattiest ribeye I can get because I'm also trying to shave back on grams of fat. That's another really effective lever. So my exact style is sort of all of these things a little bit, all of these levers halfway pulled, you know, a 16-8 fast, uh, cyclical keto, carbs just once a day, low-ish carb, low-ish fat, protein and fiber always prioritized, um, you know, predominantly animal, but not exclusively. And so I'm just doing a little bit of all these things. Like I do a little bit of cardio every day, not a ton, but definitely some, and it's high intensity. I'm doing a little bit of full body resistance training every day, body weight, very brief, very high intensity. Uh, but I'm, I'm just like pulling every lever a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. To me, it makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of members in our group who intermittent fast and all have kind of had to tweak, you know, how many hours they do it or how often they do it. We do have members who are carnivore and I've tried going carnivore just for like a trial, but I can relate to the fact that unlike some of my members who feel completely satisfied on a pure carnivore diet, I struggle. I still want something that's giving me a little bit more of satiety. And so even though I totally respect it, and I think it's amazing. And, you know, we have one guy who's lost 85 pounds. He's in the best health of his life. He's almost 51. He is on no medications. He was pre-diabetic. Carnivore works great for him. But I find for me, I've struggled wanting a few other <laughs> diverse options. And so, however, I, I, it's been great to learn from that. So I love your approach on exercise. So probably during the time of COVID, exercise, your exercise routine hasn't probably been overly impacted because it sounds like all things that you can do at home. Oh, absolutely. Right. So I, I'm not really a, a gym person and I'm basically trying to prove that you can exercise fairly optimally with almost no equipment or no money. And so I just do a lot of body weight stuff and I'm uh, progressively making body weight exercises more difficult. Uh, basic pushing, pulling and leg exercises, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and then just progressively making them more and more difficult. You know, I might go from a, a knee push-up to a push-up on my toes to a uh, a one arm push up to a handstand push up or something, you know, I'm just scaling up the difficulty to get stronger and stronger and make some sort of progressive overload there. But yeah, all my exercises are very basic. It's just putting maximum tension in the pushing and pulling chains of your body and using body weight. And we talk about it in the book and we're doing these full body workouts in like seven minutes and you can even break it up and do the individual components throughout the day interstitially. And I just, I'm trying to lower the bar to entry on exercise where exercise is not this giant 
um, ordeal where you have to change your clothes and put on special shoes and get your towel and your water bottle and drive to the gym and pay a personal trainer. And it has to be an hour and it takes a three hour divot out of your day. You know, instead it's like, okay, why don't you just get on the floor right where you're at and do just the hardest set of pushups you can possibly do and generate maximum tension throughout the pushing chain of your body is going to take you, you know, less than 90 seconds, and you're going to actually get some sort of result from that. So yeah, I'm really trying to just break resistance exercise down into its very simplest components. uh, So it's is as accessible as possible. And I'm doing the same thing with cardio. So it's just these very brief, very high intensity moves like squat jumps or uh, sprinting up a hill and, and walking back down is basically high intensity intervals. I find that so important because I believe the barrier to entry is why so many can do it for only so long or why so many people feel you know their life is chaotic, they're busy, and they're like, well, sure my health needs to be priority, but when, how, you know, I don't have, I don't have two hours in my day to go to the gym and some people do, and that's great. And some people really enjoy it and they really like the social and communal aspect of that. But I just think that's so powerful, especially in a time like now where maybe more people are homebound or can't get to the gym or their gym is closed, physically closed. I just love that approach. And really it's the approach of Anyone can do this. It doesn't matter, you know, any age, any, you know, any fitness level, you can do what Ted is, Ted is explained here. So I love that you go into that. So jumping topics a little bit, you talked about, you know, the addictive nature of kind of the carb, refined carb, refined fat combination that is just everywhere and surrounding us at all times. Do you have some insight? I'd love to share a little bit about kind of what your take is on on seed oils and what your recommendation is to people on how they have them or don't have them in their diet. Well, I I firmly believe that the entire global diabetes epidemic is directly caused by refined carbs and refined fats. I'm not blaming one more than the other. It's definitely both. Uh, The reason we have this just constant, nonstop, low-carb versus low-fat war is because both sides are, you know, completely correct, 50% correct. And the reality is it's refined carbs and refined fats together that have given us this global diabetes epidemic. And it's because... They provide so many calories with such little satiety. It's almost negative satiety because when you eat a refined carbon, refined fat together, you want to eat more of it. It's like, it's like, you know, look at shortbread. You know, you've got, nobody's going to eat a pound of sugar and then a pound of flour and then a pound of butter, but you mix all three of those together and I could eat my body weight in that crap. And so you've basically, you give any omnivore mammal a high energy density carbon fat mixed together, they'll just automatically overeat by 40% of calories and get obese. That's just what we do in these animal cafeteria diet studies. We just give basically human junk food to uh, rats or mice or any animal. It's, you know, about, it's very low protein, maybe 10%, and then 45% carbon, 45% fat has to be high energy density 
uh, basically refined carb and refined fat mixed together. And that's going to make any mammal overeat because it's so rewarding. And so the once you realize that this entire global diabetes epidemic is refined carbs and refined fats together, it gives you a lot of uh, weaponry for fighting that. It's like you can either go low carb or low fat, or you can even alternate during the day, have a really low carb meal and then a really low fat meal, or just avoid refined carbs and refined fats altogether by eating more protein and fiber, which is kind of what I'm doing. I think that that's, that's the real problem with industrial seed oils. What industrial seed oils have done is basically stripped all of the chemical energy out of a food that was really not that bad and then just giving you pure energy with no satiety at all right so like if you ate some legumes like like soybeans okay i eat edamame i'm not afraid of it i don't think it's gonna you know i don't think the phytoestrogens are gonna turn me into a female i'm not really that scared (laughs) i'm not you know i'm not eating crazy quantities of it I could basically eat all the edamame I want because there's a ton of satiety per calorie in edamame. You've got protein, you've got fiber, it's all cellular. It's phenomenal, right? It's got a really high nutrient density. It's a perfectly reasonable food. But then you got soybean oil where they just literally just sucked all the chemical energy out of it with no protein, no minerals, no satiety, no nothing. And the energy density is so insane. So like, you know, as, as a woman, your entire basal metabolic rate could, could be met with the caloric equivalent of a half a cup of sugar and a half a cup of oil, which is crazy. Like, can you imagine just eating a half a cup of sugar and a half a cup of oil? Wow. And that's all your calories for the day. Well, that's exactly what's happening. That's, that's exactly how it works. These re- highly refined carbs and fats have so much energy with so such little satiety that you're just screwed. You just can't incorporate that many of them into your diet. And so, like, I know right now it's really hot to think that PUFAs are the, you know, a lot of our community went from, oh, carbs are what's evil. It's just carbs. If you could just get your carbs to zero, then you'll be fine. Oh, except for now we've seen people who stall out on keto and stall out on carnivore and all of this sort of stuff. And now we're like, oh, wait, it's PUFAs. It's all PUFAs. They're breaking your mitochondria and that kind of thing. Well, that's not really necessarily the entire problem because every single food has PUFAs in them. So I don't know if that's really what we can blame the whole thing on. Everyone tries to blame it on just one thing. And you're never going to do that because it's refined carbs and refined fats, both. It's any kind of refined energy with no satiety. Now, I am sure you can tell why I was so excited to have Ted on the show. First of all, it was such an epiphany for me to hear someone say that different eating styles all have a way to kind of make them effective. And similar to my journey, I had tried being a vegetarian. I've tried paleo. I've tried Whole30. I tried carnivore. I've tried keto. I've been keto-ish. I've done cyclical keto. And then as many of you know, I've also uh, played with intermittent fasting and alternate day fasting and mealless Mondays. And Ted's approach to me is so refreshing because he, like me, agrees that there can be multiple tools in your tool belt. And 
It's really figuring out the levers to pull that work best for you, that are the most effective, right? And really, it's also there is two main problem children in the picture, refined carbs and refined fats. And when they are put together, it's like two terrible two toddlers having a tantrum, right? It is not good for our health journey. And they're extremely addictive. They're giving us no satiety. They're making us more hungry. He even mentions they give us negative satiety, which means that makes us more hungry. And it wants us to eat more and more. And in the next episode, we are going to go into specifics. And I asked Ted some pretty hard questions about alcohol, keto, vegetarianism, all the things. So I can't wait for you to listen to episode two. And I hope that you are really encouraged on your own health journey that there are levers for you to pull. And there are things that you can do to dramatically take steps in your own journey. I also hope that you all tuned in to his section on exercise that really exercise doesn't need to be this insurmountable thing, this mountain that none of us can climb, this barrier uh, that we cannot get through. We can do it with very little equipment. We can do it from home. For those of you that are like me, a little bit more of the social butterfly, (laughs) I know that's the hardest part for me is I just miss people, right? I miss the communal aspect of it. However, It's so important for me to hear that message too. We can do it. We can work out from home. And we can do it and have great results. So we've been given a gift today of some new insights. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it all, but it's another tool for your tool belt. Let's go live boldly, my friends. See you on part two. Thank you for listening today. For more information, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.